Hey, patrons, it's me, uh, Scoots, uh, scooting in. Scoot over, uh, Scoots is tucking you in. Scooty, scooty, scoot, boot, scoot, boot, scoot, booty. Uh, that's like your country song. Thanks and good night. Uh, oh, wait, also, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. It's time for the podcaster who's said stuff to his patrons and then said that. Uh, here, here, thanks for the support. Uh, hey, you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, things that you're thinking about, uh, so thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, like either emotions that, that you, you know that are traveling through you or uh, physical sensations, noises, changes in routine, travel, uh, stormy weather, you know, that could be something like uh, in the summer season. Whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off that. The, the, the safe place I'm going to try to create, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use the lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. To, to, like, I won't be tuning up. Uh, I don't know, I guess, like, I'm slightly out of tune. But, but, like, it, it's been that way. I guess because I'm not a musician, like it, like I'm, I'm both undertuned. Can you? Is it called overtuning and undertuning? This isn't j- a joke either. Like when you say, but you pluck the string and then you move. You know, whatever you do, bing, 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 and then you move it. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, I know some people do that by ear, and some people use a device. I mean, I would say I'm out of tune, but then I would never know. Like I could be sitting there all day, like like be like, okay, now I'm overtuned. Now you're under too too taut, not taut enough. Uh, T a u, that's a podcasty word. Taut. Uh, also, I guess that's a good end. It, like if I wanted to talk, like one of my aunt, my aunt from taut. I thought I taught you uh, how to tune this thing. I didn't realize that's a good end word for that particular uh, voice. Uh, Anyway, so if you're new here, I've got a bunch of different techniques. Not, like they're all so ineffective uh, that the, the, I'm effective in my ineffectiveness, uh, and I'm affectionately ineffective. That's just, that's the key to the podcast. To be honest, I try to bring some affection, some plutonic safe affection, with plenty of boundary space, uh, because I've been there, sleepless. Uh, so I know what it's like tossing and turning. In this podcast, it doesn't work for everybody. It's a little bit different, a little bit silly. Try to make bedtime a little bit less stressful and fun. And also take the take the load off. If you can't sleep, I'll be here the whole time. And my affection springs from that, to be like, geez, I know what it's like lying there. And if I could relieve that at all, it's you totally my honor, because I've been there uh, as a kid and as an adult. Uh so if you're new, I guess that's it. Affectionate ineffection. The Sleep With Me podcast. Uh, it, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Ineffective. Affectionately ineffective. Uh, and ineffective. Whatever. And I'm not even sure what invectives are, but I might have a few of those as well. But if you're new here, let me set the structure up for you. So the show opens with about five or six minutes of business because we do that mostly at the top of the show and the credits, and that's how we keep the show free and the archives free. So essential part of listening, if you listen to more than one episode, if you're new, you know, not as important. Then we're like a few minutes into an intro, which usually the intro is around 12 minutes uh, to demonstrate my affectionate infectiveness, or, you know, maybe hopefully it is a little bit infective, uh, you know, not like in in the thought way. You say, okay, I can relax here. Scoots is trying to carry me off into dream. Well, I'm, I'm not actually carrying you off, uh, like physically. Like I'm more escorting you, and you can drift off across the threshold from wake to sleep whenever you're ready or whenever you, you it just happens to happen. So the intro is kind of like a, like a lot of people. Some people use it while they're getting ready for bed. Some people fall asleep during it. Some people skip it. 
Uh, and so people listen to it during the day or some people use it when they wake up in the middle of the night. So there's really no prescribed way to listen to this podcast. I mean, it's like, uh, so like, there's not a lot of shoulds around here. It's a podcast that you don't need to listen to. You only get a kind of listen. It's a podcast where I'm doing my best, but my, you know, my best is affectionately ineffective, uh, and you don't need to listen to it, but you're also under no pressure to fall asleep. That's why the shows are an hour, because I'm here to keep you company. I'm here to be your companion, your friend in the deep, dark nights. Uh, and tonight we'll be talking about Star Trek The Next Generation, the episode The Tapestry. And there's a great uh, quote in that episode uh, at the very end, actually, because it, it I said, why did they call this The Tapestry? And John Lucas says it at the end. He goes, uh, He's talking about the past, which can come up at bedtime for a lot of us. He goes, geez, there's parts of my youth I'm not proud of. Uh, loose threads, untidy parts of me I would like to remove. Who can't relate to that, right? I don't know if you could hear that. My hands were clasped and my wrist cracked. I was so I was so emphasizing that point. Uh, and I'm still clasping my hands. Uh, I don't know. I'm in a hand-clasping mode. Uh, but when I pulled it back to Jean-Luc, uh, but when I pulled on one of those threads, it unraveled the tapestry of my life. And I'll tell you, for me at bedtime, it does feel like there's a lot of uh, pulling of threads, uh, like uh, w- like with the different parts. Me, okay, I'm ready to go to bed now. And all these little, like all these little strings, they start pulling themselves. They hey, hey, remember that? Remember this? Why didn't you do this today? You never got that done. You never follow through on that. What about tomorrow? Oh, boy, let's think about that. Don't mess that. You know, all these different, like a litany of string pulling. I like using the word litany every few who, uh, they just like that word. Uh, I don't know why. But uh, anyway, like like where it's, it's a lot of things tugging at your, uh, not just your thoughts, but your feelings instomatically for me, like my physical body almost. And that causes the tossing and turning, which causes it like, well, should I try to resolve these problems? Should I just tell my brain to be quiet? Like for me, that that's the rabbit hole I descend down. This podcast offers an alternative. Uh, uh, like, let's take a breath here and picture just a fuzzy, friendly rabbit. Because uh, you could listen to me and follow my rabbit. like Because you hear about these rabbit dens. uh and I hear, I hear they have a lot of twists and turns, but they also have nice den-like areas that are nice and warm where all the rabbits can snuggle and rest. And ideally, the story and the intro both do that. Like, uh, So I'll be talking about Star Trek coming up in a few minutes, uh, but I'll go on a twist, I'll go on a tangent, I'll over-explain, I'll slow down, I'll do, do talk about the dialogue. At any point, you might say, well, I'm not going to follow Scoots. Any, you know, I'm going to check out this, uh, look at all those, I wonder if I could put my head on that rabbit's side. Oh, this is nice here. Nice r- rabbit breath. And, uh, and ideally, you don't even notice. You're listening to me. You stop thinking or you've been distracted. As you think about, like, how about, I wonder if they sell any tapestries of Jean-Luc Picard, because I would like to have one of those on my wall, uh, especially one, or actually on the wall of my castle. That would be cool. If, if you had a castle and then you have a tapestry of Jean-Luc Picard, like, that is, uh, I don't know if that's, meta, is that meta or ironic? I don't know, but it would be cool. You'd have it in your, like, the Great Hall. You say, yeah, this is what's that giant tapestry on? What's John Luke Picard, Enterprise, you know, to, to Star Trek The Next Generation? And yeah, in the halls of heroes, they have other tapestries of, you know, Data, Worf, uh, Roe, Riker, uh, Guinan, you know, all my peeps. Uh, they say, okay, interesting. And I say, yeah, I like a little bit of, like, I like a, like a, like a great, I like to live in a castle but with tapestries from uh, modern TV shows. Uh, so, yeah, where do you buy your tapestries? Well, I, I, I like it, uh, tapestries, tapestries, tapestries. That's where I usually shop. Uh, that's where I, you know, that's where I like to do most of my tapestry purchases. Uh, anyway, it was just, it was, anyway, 
So I guess I got off tangent there, but uh, I was on a tangent. But so if you're new here, that's the structure of the show. We talk about uh, the next generation on Sundays. On Tuesdays, we have uh, like a bedtime story or something like a bedtime story. And then Thursdays, we have like a bedtime story based on that, like on a, that's part of an episodic series. And this podcast is a little bit different than other bedtime stories. Bedtime stories for grownups, uh, just my particular brand bedtime story, which is like a, like a oddball, meandering, if ineffective, uh, it maybe has invectives, but it's infectious, infectiously, hopefully like the, the boar giggles part are like infectious where you say, wow, like think about it, like, uh, like uh, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are listening to this at the same time you are. So you're not alone. And while not everybody that's listening might be dealing with the same thing you are, uh, almost everyone that listens is struggling somehow with with either getting enough sleep or getting rest or, or, or just feeling a sense of safety and quiet. So as, 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 as alone as it can feel... You know, there's a lot of other people right this moment listening to my voice right now uh, that are that are with you in some way. And uh, so I don't know if that helps. I, I thought that was one of the words that rhymes with infective or vective. Connective. It's connective. Uh, it is. Uh, and most of those people like me can relate to how it feels. I may not know exactly what it is. Uh, but we can relate, and that's why I make this show, because I tried other stuff for me, like, you know, all the other sleep stuff. And I said, geez, why isn't there something a little bit like a, a bit? I'm a bit of a goofball. Why is there something like that? And I, I said, why? Well, I have fun telling stories like that. Let me try it and see if I can put people to sleep. And it took a few hundred episodes, I think, to get it, get, get a good groove on. But we, you know, we worked our way there. And so people have been along for the whole ride. And, and if you're new, I'm glad you're here. You know, give the show a few tries. It doesn't work for everybody, like I said. But most of the people that write reviews say, geez, after the two or second or third time, you know, I, I was able to let down my guard and, uh, you know, it, it started helping me out or made me smile. Or I couldn't fall asleep, but but I, I I could listen to it, and it kept me company in the deep dark nights. So whatever it is, like I said, like I say, every almost every intro. I'm glad you're here. I work very hard. I yearn and I strive to help you fall asleep. So thanks so much for coming by. All right, here we are. We're talking episode season six, episode fifteen. It came out uh, February fifteenth, nineteen ninety three. And I was trying to think what I was doing. That's right around my birthday. That's why I was like, what was I doing February 13th, 1993? It was up to probably up to no good. I may have been in Buffalo uh, visiting someone. And uh, like, uh, anyway, like, uh, but I'm not positive. Uh, anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about Picard and Q, a Q episode without a Q in the title. And I didn't read any articles about this episode because I, I don't want to spoil myself. But, uh, you know, I guess it's more of a card-centric episode. But there's a lot of cute, and it's a blast from the past. Uh, and again, this episode opens mid-action, as we have a couple times every season, it seems like. They're in the med bay. Very medical procedural action. Like, a, I don't know what year ER started. I don't know if that was late 90s or mid 90s or early 90s. Uh, Eric LaSalle, uh, G- G- George Clooney, Juliana Mar- Mar- Margul, Mar- I can't say her last name. Uh, Goose, uh, from Anthony, uh, oh boy, I'm sorry, Anthony. Uh, Goose, I- I can't, I'm sorry to call you Goose, but uh, actually, I think I also liked you in Revenge of the Nerds. So that's why like Anthony Edwards, of course. Thanks, Brain. That was a TV, TV. Here's a little uh, factoid. George Clooney was in two shows named ER. There was also a situational comedy called ER with the subtitle, It'll Leave You in Stitches. A lot of times I think these situational comedies are dreams because I, the only time I saw this ER 
was when I would be sick home from school on reruns on like the Lifetime channel or some random network like WOOR or something. Or, you know, one of the like cable channels you'd rarely tune into. They had a couple of good situational comedies on during the day reruns, and ER was one of them. And George Clooney was on that. Uh, it's just a fact. You can look it up. But Or, you know, it could be a fugue stated. That has happened before. But, oh, boy, what an episode. Opens in action, as I said. Uh, Dr. Crusher's putting on a turquoise lab coat or doctor's coat, which is the first time I noticed that. But, I mean, you know, many things have passed me by. Everyone's in prep mode. Uh, number four, they're coming in through the number four... Uh, energizing room or whatever uh what is it called the transport transporter room number four coming in now and they come in Worf's uh cradling uh picard in his arms because he said well he he's he's overtired he was being pouty Riker has a phaser out like they come in like they were transported out right in mid-action with three other crew members Again, I haven't watched these episodes continuously, so I don't know what's happened with Worf, but this is the first time I noticed he has a ponytail, which I don't think was always the case. So I assume there is a plot point that explains that, that I missed. Uh, they lay Picard down. They they ran into some Lenarians, a bad conference, uh, bad Lenarian conference. Compressitarians uh, is what they were dealing with. And, uh, let's see, B, B, Ben, oh, Terry, compressed Terry on beam. Uh, Crusher's really working hard, uh, while Picard takes a rest. Uh, and there's building music, and then the camera starts zooming from above, uh, showing Picard lying down. Then it fades to white. And when it fades back again, it's like iridescent white, and Picard's looking around. Everything around him is white, like he's inside a cloud. And there's sort of like an iridescent uh, figure with arms open at a distance. Uh, very luminous. And who is it but our good friend Q, who holds out his hand for Picard to shake. And Picard t- takes his hand. And uh, uh, Q basically says, the camera, I think, pull, oh no, he takes his hand and he pulls into Q. I don't know if the camera Picard did that. And Q says, welcome to the big farm in the sky, uh, Jean-Luc Picard. And this is unintentional that these seems episodes keep coming up, but uh, it just some taking recommendations. Uh, but Picard and Q, then the open episode opens, and Picard and Q are holding hands, but Picard pulls his hand back. Uh, and then I'll read through the dialogue, but his father appears and scolds him at some point, uh, Q's iridescent look is reminds me of like a character from one of the Tron movies, uh, just the, the level of glow. His father again is not pleased. Then there's more and more voices. I got to say something about John Delancey's hair here. Looks gorgeous. Uh, man, his hair looks good this episode. Probably the best head of hair I've ever seen on, on a member of the Continuum uh, today. But it, no, really, like I, I said, it just struck me enough to write it down. I said, man, his hair looks great. Uh, something ahead. Picard looks down. Q toss. Oh, okay, heart. Uh, okay, we'll get to the dialogue. So Picard, or, you know, Q says, welcome to the big farm. And uh, Picard says, this isn't uh, the bit, you know. And he goes, yeah, yeah. By the way, I'm, I'm your uh, higher power. And Picard goes, no, and then Q says, blasphemy, don't make me smite you. And he goes, you know, don't you remember with that, that conference they sent you? They said, go do some research on the big farm, the Tenarians or something. And Picard says, I refuse to believe the afterlife is run by you. The universe is not so badly designed. And then his dad comes by. He says, don't go off to the academy, Jean-Luc. Uh, Starfleet's not going to be any good for you. But you never listen to me anyway. You're, bit, you know, Mister Big Shot. Uh, and he goes, "Don't you, don't you know? Like, I'm your internal critic. I'm trying to protect you from this kind of stuff." Uh, and Picard says, "Stop." Uh, and then the dad still says, "You've still managed to disappoint me, Jean Luc." 
And then there's a bunch of building voices, as I said. And Q says, these are all the people you let down. And uh, Ricard says, what do you mean? And Q goes, you know, butterfly wings, bro. Uh, your, your butterfly wings have let all these people down. Nice job. Do you want to do one apology or multiple ones? Because they're all listening. And Picard says, I'm not going to perform for your amusement. Uh, and Q goes, this moment's for you. And Picard goes, you don't do anything. You've got something, you know, he goes, for the benefit of my soul. And Q goes, well, now that you've shuffled off the mortal coil, we're going to have plenty of time to spend together. And Picard goes, oh, boy, like what? Uh, and Q goes, are you forever? Are you sure you don't have any regrets? Uh and Picard goes, yeah, regret being here with you. And, you know, Q plays faux dramatic, you know, oh, John, you, Luke, uh, you, you hurt my feelings. And again, I haven't seen all these episodes, so I didn't know Picard has an artificial heart. Uh, you know, I thought he had a heart of gold, but he has an artificial heart. And uh, Q's like, that malfunctioned, uh, unreliable technology. And Q goes, you never heard the story of what, uh, you know, what's up with this thing? And Picard was like, mistake I made when I was a kid. And then we, uh, let's see, let me get back to this. Uh, yeah, when he throws the heart, he throws, tosses the artificial heart to uh, Picard. Picard looks down when he brings it up. And he says, I regret a great many things, really. Uh, then we see young Picard kind of... Uh, uh, do like when he loses his heart, like uh, it's with a Nasikin, like Princess Nasika. I don't know if it's the same thing, but uh, he uh, like he loses his heart, he laughs uh, when his feelings are when he's sad about his heart. Uh, from Cupid, you know, who took it, uh, because Cupid says, I'm from Nasika, we're taking you know, you know, this isn't figurative, uh, not really, but uh. And you see the younger Picard, there's like an actor playing a younger Picard, dashing his H-E-C-K. And as he's lying there, Picard kneels down and looks at his younger self and uh, uh, he goes, geez, I wonder if I could do things uh, differently. And Q goes, uh, well, maybe what if I, uh," and Picard goes, yeah, it's really a different person, arrogant, undisciplined, and too much ego, too little wisdom, a bit like you, Q. And Q goes, yeah, it sounds way more interesting. Pity you had to change. Uh, and Q goes, if you had to do it all over again, and Picard goes, things would be different. And then next thing you know, Picard's in, uh, he, uh, let's see, how does this transfer happen? I think Picard, like, hold, holds his hand to his face, and then he's in a room with a woman who's just kind of rejected him. And he's holding his hand to his face, and the camera zooms in on him, and then they cut to commercial. And then when they come back, uh, there's two, oh, two blue thermoses on one of the tables. That's the first thing I noticed when they came back. Uh, Picard's hand is on his face. Uh, as a woman walks off, his two roommates or best friends clap, a male, male and a female, uh, his, I liked his roommate has like a Starfleet belt buckle. So sweet. It looks like a giant A almost. His male roommate. Really cool. And Picard's so happy. He's like tickled pink. Uh, and he talks to his roommate. So like, what has happened? He goes, oh, no, more trouble and romance. He he can't believe they, they call him Johnny. And Picard is very, he goes, Marta Batiandes or whatever. He, he says, uh. And she goes, are you okay? He goes, well, just I'm a little out of it. And Corey, that's the other dude's name. He goes, Johnny just wants your sympathy. He goes, we're going to go get go to the casino. You want to come? And Ricard says, I'll catch up. And then Marta says, are you okay? He goes, eh. And then Corey says, he's got another date maybe. And she goes, you're incorrigible. And then Q appears. Uh, he's holding like a pointer. Or is it a stick? Uh, he's very curious about... Uh, um, Picard's dating life, uh, and, uh, Picard's 21 years old at this. Picard looks himself in the mirror. He's in a, he's a regular, the Jean-Luc we know, but, uh, I guess, uh, he's 21 years old. Then Q sits down at like a chess-like game that's made from crystals, uh, 
And they kind of talk about history because Picard says, geez, I don't want to, like, I don't want to mess up history. Don't you know all the rules? And he goes, I can't change the past. Uh, you know, it'll change the future. And Picard goes, your ego is out of control. He goes, you're not that important. And Picard goes, I'm not going to alter history. And Q goes, well, uh, I, I promise you won't alter history. How's that sound? Uh, nothing you do uh, will, will alter history. Um, and he goes, you know you, where you are? And he goes, Starbase Earhart. I guess Amelia Earhart. He goes, this is where we're waiting for our assignments. And Q goes, or yeah, Q says, yeah, that's what, this is when you and the Nausicans run across each other. Do you think you're going to change things? Oh, when he said he called Picard's ego out, he used his pointer to sweep off the chessboard. He goes, very well, like when Picard says, uh, it won't alter history. Also, 1305, Q's face, as he says, of course, uh, just at a later time. Because Picard says, do you think I'm going to go on to the big farm, or will that stop that? And he says, of course, just at a later, later time. Then Picard starts asking, or Q starts asking Picard about his dating life, which was funny. And then Picard's like, geez, I'm waiting. He goes, what time is it? It is 1611, which is 411, I believe. And Picard's late for a date. I said, he makes dates at 411 or 4 p.m., which really throws me off. And then he's at a bar. I made, I couldn't tell the age range here. It really all was throwing me off. Uh, He's at the bar with a woman named Penny, who looks like she's much older than 21, like maybe, I don't know, 28 or 30 or something. And it also just seemed like, like I, could, I was like, is this a date or a professional visit? Uh, and she has very long earrings on. And she, she, Picard's like, uh, she's like, she's like, she's like, aren't we going to get, you know, get down to the kissing business? Uh and Picard goes, well, I've been, I feel contemplative. And she goes, well, that's not why I'm here. I'm here. Uh... And he goes, well, I'm interested. And she goes, well, I'm from Rigo. My last name's Morak, and I like men in uniform, and I'm done talking. And then she goes in for a kiss, uh, and then she goes, uh, what am I, not, like, were you drunk last night or something? Uh, and Picard says, you're a very handsome woman. She goes, is that what you say to older women? And he goes, you don't look like an older woman. And then she throws a drink in his face because uh, she says, geez, skip whatever. And Q's behind the bar, like cleaning a cup, and he throws the rag at Picard. And he says, puerile, which we learned before. Like we, I think we, did, we talked about that before, but uh, uh, whatever. And then there's like a Dom Jot game going on. Uh, which is kind of like a, a somewhere between snooker and pool. And they're getting a lot of cheers and or bumper pool, maybe two. And Picard's buddy, Corey, is kind of doing his best color of money. I don't know if color of money had come out yet. I think it had. Uh, he's doing his best color of money, Tom Cruise impression. And then I really like the Noskins talk. They go, play Domjot, human. Uh, they're very... Uh, like a like high in testosterone style, but they're egging Corey on to play them and Dom Jot and then it zooms into Picard. They go to the uh, they go to commercial, and then we see his buddy Corey has taken a bet with the with the Nasikins, and Picard tries to talk him out of it. Uh, he goes, "This isn't it. Nasikins are jerks. You know, you don't really want to play. Uh, you don't want to play them." And uh, let's see. Then we see Q in the background. He's lounging against a barrel and uh, watching. And Picard kind of lays out what's going to happen. Um, I forgot when he was with Penny. Q says, Penny, for your thoughts. I forgot about that pun. But Picard basically says, geez, Corey's going to lose and he's going to che- they're cheating. And then he's going to cheat them back. And that's why all this trouble starts. And he goes, and so I, you know, I didn't take the sensible side. I took my friend's side. And Q goes, that's a beautiful story. Get you right here. And he taps his heart, you know. Another pun. A lot of puns in this with Q. And then the Dom Jack game's getting really intense. Uh, 
And Corey loses because the uh, Naskin says Damjad. When you win, I guess you say Damjad. Human. Human play Damjad. He says that again. Then we go back to the dorm room or their, you know, I guess it's more of a, a barracks room. Very nice. Uh, more like a dorm room. And Corey tries to do like a little bit of a, like a little bit Han Solo here or something. Cause he says, I played a lot of Dom Jot in a lot of places and I've never seen the balls roll that well for anyone. Just reminded me of a line from something, but I wasn't sure what. Uh, and Corey goes, I'm going to cheat back. And Picard goes, no, 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 you can't do that. Uh, no way. And uh, Picard says, no way. Then Marta intervenes. Uh, and uh, Picard, seems, uh, Picard seems a little down, maybe. But then there's love in the air. Like, between, you can see, like, Corey leaves. He storms off. Because he's like, we're, you're not going to help me cheat? And Picard goes, no, we're officers now. we got to start acting like it. Uh, and, even, yeah, that's when Marta, like, is like, don't worry about it. Uh, so he storms off and... Uh, they just share a moment looking at each other, and uh, she see Picard goes, what's wrong? And she goes, well, usually you'd be the one up to no good. And Picard goes, yeah. And she goes, I always thought you were a, hid- a hidden responsibility. And uh, they go back and forth, you know, geez, maybe I'm getting older. She says, maybe it's these bars, you know, that are feeling heavy. Ensign Picard and Ensign Batandis. Sounds weird. And she goes, Jesus, too bad we couldn't get used to this new life together. And she goes, I mean, the three of us, Corey, too, totally. And then there's a moment, I guess, I, did I write down the timestamp for this? Because it is hilarious. I didn't. But I'll tell you it in a minute. It's coming up on the, the one that's playing. But the doorbell rings and Q comes in. And he goes, and my daughter's still saying this. She, she goes, is there John Look, Look Picard here? And he totally kills the moment, you know, because it was definitely getting romantic. And this is very 80s rom-con. Like we had some kind of wonderful, pretty in pink. Uh, what's, that? what's the one with the guy, McDreamy or whatever, McSteamy, one of those. What's that, Dream a Little Dream? Is that the one he's in? Uh, the one um, with, uh, what's that one with... Uh, that uh, Reese Witherspoon's in one, I think. Uh, so there's a lot of these like uh, rom cons that are based on what is it, Pygmalion? Uh, I think is the original. I mean, this is a little different. This is when you're in love with your best friend, and uh, you just got to notice him. But so, uh, oh, he so Q comes in as a flower delivery person, ruins the moment. He's got like a great outfit on. Like a red bow tie, and uh, he plays Cupid. Which, what does that mean? Uh, let me check the. Let, I just want to get to the uh, right timestamp for you here. It's about twenty. It's a twenty-two thirty-four. He even dances kind of inside to side. Really funny. A great, great, great moment. Um, plays Cupid. Let's see. So, so. Oh yeah, he gets. Geez, I didn't interrupt anything sordid, did I? And Picard goes, no. And Q goes, pity, she's quite attractive. And Picard goes, we're only friends. Uh, and Q goes, is that a regret from our youth, I hear? And Picard goes, my friendship isn't a regret. And he goes, no, 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 I, you know what I mean, more than friends, like a kissy-kissy. He goes, maybe you could change that. It's, I'm like, Q, are you, are you living vicariously for, through Jean-Luc, uh, and Ricard goes, what do you want? And Ricard goes, your buddy, uh, is Corey's messing with the table. He, he's, he's cheating anyway. So he tattletales on him. Then we see Picard, Johnny rolls up behind him. He goes, I got to stop you. And Corey's not happy about it. And they go back and forth. And Picard actually puts a hand on his shoulder. He goes, this is no joke. Uh, you're not cheating. I'll tell on you if I have to. And Corey says, have it your way, Instant Picard. He, he's really not happy. Uh, um, and then there's music, you know, to underscore that. Uh, then we're back in the dorm room. Picard's pacing. Marta's on her bed. She's kind of in her, uh, like, not in her uniform anymore, like in her hangout clothes. Uh, 
Like, so this is, again, I think this is a little bit of an 80s rom-com. I, I think it particularly like uh, some kind of wonderful. I don't really even I know if I even saw that. I think that was like the best friend that I had the biggest crush on. And, uh, like, I think I, I always thought Eric Stoltz was pretty cool, too. And I think they had the biggest hit song, maybe. Maybe not, though. Maybe they're unrelated. And which one was, which one, again, I just said this five minutes ago. And I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, okay, where were we? Where were we here? Okay, so, yeah, okay. Also a couple things. So, so she's sitting on the bed, Marta. Picard's pacing, worrying about Corey. We get a cool a couple of cool shots out their window where there's like a set or a painting, like a map painting with a giant building and some sort of station and lights really looked good. Uh, I mean, it just added a little bit like, a, like, I mean, it was, uh, unless the building was like very vault-like and just made me curious. Uh, but they're talking and then they like they see Picard sits on her bed, they're talking next to each other, and they have like full constant eye contact and big smiles. And uh, they both have beautiful eyes. I, I noticed it like uh, I guess that's the only way to say it. Both uh both characters or both actor actor and actress have beautiful, beautiful eyes, very different colors. But both in the blue, gray, maybe not. Let me let me like check John Luke's eyes. She, Marta's eyes are very like gray, blue, and beautiful. I guess John Luke's are more. John Luke uh, are more of a gray, green, or maybe a, I don't know. I, I'm watching right now. It's on my phone, so I can't see right as good. Also, for TP fans, Marta's rocking a little bit of an Audrey Horn style. You know, pre. I guess it was the same time period. Like she has a like a Audrey Horn style look to her, which to me is kind of like a fem like a nineteen fifties uh, femme fatale. A little bit, she not not in the, the character, just in I don't never mind. I'm I'm digging myself a hole of, uh, but they're lacking eye contact, and you could tell they're greatly attracted to one another, and they, like. Uh, just, they say, geez, uh, she says, she's just so much more mature. It's very attractive. Uh, and she goes, have you ever thought about us getting together? And they go, like, there's a big gulp. Uh, and Picard says, uh, yeah, I've thought about it for a long time. And she goes, why didn't you ever say so? And Picard goes, I don't know. Uh, at this moment, I, I don't, I don't, I, he says, and then they just start kissing. And because this is grown-up business, it, it they skipped the grown-up business part, but it goes straight to the grown-up business. I was watching this with my daughter, too. So I was gulping, wondering what was going to happen next. Uh, oh, and when Picard says, uh, I don't know, at this moment, he was almost whispering. I put make-out city double exclamation point. Then it's the next morning, Picard's in in Marta, in, in a bed, uh, and there's another person that reaches over to like rub his ear, and it's Q, and it's just a great reveal, very fun. And there's also on the headboard of her bed, Marta's bed, is like this prism sculpture thing that I really liked uh, a lot. And Picard kind of reaches, rolls over. He's shirtless, and uh, to look at uh, Marta, and it's Q. After tickling his ear, he's got a big smile on. He pulls his sheets up over his chest, uh, and uh, then he finally lowers his blanket once he starts to feel comfortable. Because Q goes, geez, what's going on? You're feeling guilty? You're feeling good? He goes, no, no, I'm feeling fine. And Q goes, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, we're just friends, nothing more. Yeah, Vicar goes, don't worry about it. And Q goes, really, you're just friends, uh... And Q goes, well, what's up next? And Picard goes, well, things are going to be different now. And Q goes, oh, I'm sure about that. And then he vanishes. And then, uh, let's see, lowers the blanket. I don't know. They totally share a moment, it seemed like, uh, with that. Then Picard walks into, like, the bar again. The bar's very dungeon-like, I noticed, uh, and he tries to kiss Marta on the forehead, and she's having some second thoughts. She's also eating some sort of potatoes or space eggs uh, and drinking out of, like, uh, 
a tin cup. Almost at first I thought it was a tankard. I don't know if it's some sort of table-side barbecue for breakfast, but Picard tries to take her hand, or he does take her hand. And uh, she says, she's uh, like, yeah, I kind of think it was a bad idea. And Picard goes, I don't think so. And she goes, well, we're friends, and now our friendship's messed up. And Picard goes, maybe you shouldn't think about it. And she goes, well, I wish I could. And we're also, we're separating tomorrow and going on our assignments. It would have been way easier if I didn't have to think about this. But these are predicaments we just naturally seem to put ourselves in as human beings. Uh, and Picard goes, geez, I wish I didn't, you know, he feels uncomfortable. He feels uncomfortable making her uncomfortable. And he goes, maybe you could, maybe one of us should skip the party, the end of the goodbye party. And she goes, no, I, I, we planned it. I'll be there. And then she leaves. And then Q shows up again. Uh, and uh, Marta's very, she, she had like tears in her eyes. Picard was very stoic. Uh, but what was hilarious is, like, uh, after Marta leaves, you see over Picard's shoulder, Q sitting at another table. He's in, like, a maroon, like, a velour suit with a gray, like, fur vest. And he's eating, like, endive or something, like a rabbit. Uh, he's eating, like, a leafy green from the stem, just like a rabbit would. He takes a big bite of it. And then we cut to the goodbye party. It's just Corey, Marta, and Jean-Luc, uh... Oh, Q also says, geez, you managed to uh, alienate your friends. Uh, you're doing really great. Try not to lose your heart. It seems like you might have already. But we see the goodbye party. is very glum and awkward. And they're back at the same table where the same potatoes, I think, are cooking. The Nasikins roll in. They say, play Damjad Uhuman. We'll give you a bigger stick. Uh, and they say, no, Craig goes, no, no, not going to be any of that. Uh, and the Nazikin says they're Undari, cowards, and Corey doesn't like that. Uh, and then they say, you have no Grumba. And Corey's like, why don't we find out? And Picard goes, no, 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 let's just make peace here. And then they say something about Marta, and uh, Picard like uh, pushes Corey out of the way. And Corey can't believe it. He goes, I don't know who you are anymore, but you're not my friend. And then Marty, Marty says, she goes, goodbye, Johnny. And they leave. And then Q's standing there, and he goes, congratulations, you did it, mon capitan. You did it. And then we see the Enterprise, and we're on the bridge, and Worf is talking. Picard's in a green suit. He goes, can I help you, Mr. Picard? Mr. Picard, note, uh, and Data's looking out in the background. It's Picard's mixed up. He goes, Mr. Worf, uh. And he has, like, an iPad, and Worf looks at goes, this is for Commander LaForge. Uh, and Picard's like, what? And Worf goes, is there something wrong? And he goes, I'm not sure. Picard says, I'm not sure. What's my rank? And Worf goes, Lieutenant Junior Grade, Assistance Astrophysics Officer. And Data's very concerned. He goes, geez, are you feeling all right? And Picard goes, who's the captain of the ship? He goes, Thomas Holloway, which sounds familiar. So I definitely don't know who that is, but I do. And Data goes, maybe I should take you down to sick bay. And Picard goes, no, I can find my way down there myself. And Picard walks into med bay. He goes, Beverly, Beverly, you're not going to believe this. And then who's sitting at Beverly's desk but Q? And he says, well, 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 in like a, a fake German accent. Uh, what seems to be that the trouble, uh, it's Lieutenant Picard. Ian Q's in a doctor's outfit. He even has the round thing that doctors wear on their heads, uh, Bugs Bunny used to, with the strap. Uh, and uh, he's carrying a report. Oh, no, this is later. Uh, what does that mean, carrying a report? Yeah, but Picard says, what have you done? He goes, what you wanted. You're back at the present. You changed the past uh, for you. You changed your past, uh, who you were as a youth, and now you're the man you are today. You should be happy. you got a real heart, uh, and you can live out the rest of your life in safety, running tests and making analysis and giving reports to your superiors. And then he disappears, and Picard has, like, a great – he sighs or breathes and has this great feeling of uh, 
regret and awkwardness. Uh, then there's an ad. Then Picard walks into 10 forward, and Riker and Troy are drinking some amber liquid together. And Picard really looks awkward. I really enjoyed uh, how out of sorts he kind of looks. Uh, and uh, then he sits down, and he goes, I'd like to tell you about my future. And it, even this is great acting. Because uh, Troy's like, well, maybe I should go. He goes, no, no, no. I want to hear your thoughts, too. And he goes, I want you to be straightforward with me. Uh, how do you how do you think I am as an officer? And they kind of look at each other, and they're like, hmm. And Troy says, well, geez, you, got good, you get good reports. You're thorough. And dedicated. And Riker says, steady, reliable. Uh, they're really at a loss. Punctual. And Picard's like, punctual, oh, great. Uh, and Picard goes, what if I had bigger plans? You know, what advice do you think I could be, uh, I could move up the ladder? And Riker goes, this is probably not the best place to talk about this. And Picard goes, well, I'd like to talk about it right now. He goes, I'd like to, you know, change change over. You know, I'd like to learn so, to engineering or security and go all the way to command. And Riker goes, frankly, uh, it's not realistic, bro. And he goes, why? He goes, uh, and then Troy goes, this isn't the place to discuss this. And Picard goes, well, it's important. I believe I can do more. And then Troy gets real with him. She goes, that's your problem all along. You have these lofty goals, uh, but you've never been willing uh, to take the risks to attain them. And Ricard says, Riker, what do you think? He goes, yeah, I have to agree. He goes, you got to take chances, man. And also, I really liked Troy's shirt, uh, her her one, like it had a, she was wearing gray, but it had this purple V, V around the neck, uh, and the material looked nice. It really, like, it was striking, uh, like, uh. And they're like, maybe we could talk about this another time. It just goes back and forth. A lot of awkward looks. Uh, and then uh, they get called. Like, uh, Oh, also on the table is like a clock radio. But then they get called for a senior officer's meeting. Picard almost gets off uh, or gets up. Uh, yeah, there's like a pyramid clock radio on the table. And then Picard's on the lift because Jordy calls him. He's like, dude, where's that report, bro? you got to get down here. And uh, he's on lift alone to go to main engineering. He's looking very sad and frustrated. And he says, you really got me, Q. You think uh, you're going to make me live out the rest of my life as a dreary man and a tedious job? You win. And the lift opens, and there's the spiritual Q with his hands on his hips, all iridescent. He goes, I gave you a second chance, and now all you do is complain. And Bigard goes, I can't live out, like, I can't be that person bereft of passion and no imagination. It's not me. And right, or Q goes, ah, contraire. That's who you wanted to be. You wanted to take away the arrogance of youth uh, and be less like Q. And he goes, you wanted to, you know, not deal with the Nausicaan and... Uh, he goes, so that's the Picard that we see now. No brush with Nasikins, real heart. Uh, didn't realize how fragile things were or how important every moment is. Never put his life in focus. He drifted around. Uh, you know, so this is like the life lesson part of the episode. You know, drift around, you know, didn't deal with the Malika Four, save the ambassadors. Or, you know, take over the Stargazer Bridge. Uh, he goes, and no one offered him a command ever because he played it safe. And Q's like kind of right up in his face when he says that. Uh, he goes, never noticed uh, by anyone. And we go, she's your right, Q. You gave me a chance to change, and I took it. Uh, but it was a mistake. It made a mistake. And the Q is walking away, and then he turns around, and he goes, Are you asking me for something, Jean-Luc? He goes, Yeah, give me, put me back. I want to go one more time back. And, and Q goes, Well, you know it's a risk. And Picard goes, Well, I'd rather be at the big farm as the man I was than be live that life. And so then we, uh, and Q is very Tron-like, very serious looks. Then they go back to the bar, uh, no gramba. 
and Picard goes postal, and there's like an 80s action scene, 80s action bar scene with Marta and Corey and Jean-Luc uh, and the Nasikins uh, doing all sorts of, uh, you know, action moves. Uh, lots of, my daughter said, lots of stage uh, things, uh, like uh, she liked it. She said, this is awesome. But she's a kid, she doesn't watch very much action movies. Uh, Picard, uh, something. Oh, Picard laughs again. He's like, like as he, because uh, Cupid shows up and says, oh, let me, let me take your love uh, away. And we go back, as he's laughing, we go back to an overhead shot of the med bay. And Picard is laughing, lying, taking a nap in the med bay, smiling. Riker's there. He has a Harry Potter-like scar on his forehead, yeah, which was interesting. And they say, Jean-Luc, you're back. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, so good to be back. And they said, you're going to be okay. And then we go to the close episode. Uh, and Picard and uh, Riker are having a heart-to-heart. Picard's touching all his fingertips together. And they go to Picard goes, I don't know if it was a dream or what. And Riker goes, or cues tricks. And Riker goes, oh, you know, you never know. When you're near the big farm, there's, there's strange things happen. But it's pretty detailed. Uh, and he, like, Picard's like, I can't believe Q would give me a second chance or be compassionate. Uh, so if it was Q, I owe him uh, an apology or a debt of gratitude. And Riker says, in what sense? And Picard goes, well, he goes, there's many parts of my youth I'm not proud of. And uh, he goes, those were loose threads, untidy parts of me that I wanted to remove. But when I pulled on those threads, it unraveled the tapestry of my life. Uh, and we get the opening, the closing, it gives us the, and then Riker cracks up, though, because he says, I can't believe a young Jean-Luc messing with Nasikins. He goes, I would have liked to hang with that Jean-Luc. Uh, and Picard starts telling old stories. He goes, oh, that wasn't the first Nasikin trouble I had, bro. He goes, well, let me tell you about my sophomore year when I was on Morkin 5 or 6. Uh, he goes, there was a Nasikin, and uh, he goes, outlying asteroids. Oh, he goes, sit back, Riker. But, yeah, so, they, like, the uh, close gives us the title and, like, the kind of meaning of the episode, and it comes to an end. A very good episode, and it had some nice moments. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did, too. Good night.